Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 2, episode 190 of this podcast. Thank you very much for joining back with us as we continue with our study of July the 6th to July the 12th at covering Alma 30 to 31, The Virtue of the Word of God. We're now going to move into the section today called The Book of Mormon Can Help Me Resist the Influence of Those Who Try to Deceive Me in Alma chapter 30 verses 6 to 60. And we are now diving into Cory Hoare's um, teachings, Cory Hoare's views on the world uh, and um, kind of the impact that his words had. He said in verse 13, O ye that are bound down under a foolish and vain hope, why do ye yoke yourselves with such foolish things? Why do ye look for a Christ? For no man can know of anything which is to come. I do find this uh, interesting from Cory Hoare because he seems to suggest that we can't know of things uh, that are to come, and yet he, you know, constantly testif- or constantly um, tries to claim that there will be no Christ. So you know, he is claiming of things that can't come, or claiming to know of things that are coming, or, or not coming. In fact, so that's interesting. But uh, in verse, we you know, as we start to go forward, we'll see some of the things he's trying to get across to the people. Richard Dilworth Rust summarized them in this way. He said, "Quote." Um, Chauncey Riddle once explored how three of Corrie Hoare's arguments seduce people today. The first is that it is possible to know all truth through the senses by experience and observation. The second is a humanist position that the solutions to our problems lie in sharp thinking and a realist, realistic approaches to life, and success is defined in terms of wealth, social status, political power and the glutting of the senses. A third argument is relativist. Since so-called commandments are laws are but social conveniences to give power to priests, the only important thing is life is to do in this life is to do what you want to do if you can get away with it. Close quote. And we see this message throughout all of Corrie Hoare's um, sermons and um, pronouncements that uh, he argues that, you know, these prophets can't know what's going to happen. Just live in the here and now, live with your strength and your might and take what you can with your power. Um, and this is obviously a very self-centered doctrine, uh, whereas the doctrine of Christ is very, you know, it does not focus on self. Uh, it, it encourages us, it requires us to reach out and bless the lives of others uh, to try and follow the example of Christ. And so it's a very different uh, approach to the world. In verse 16, um, Corrie Hall says, you look forward and say that you see a remission of your sins, but behold, this is the effect of a frenzied mind. And this derangement of your minds comes because of the traditions of your fathers, which lead you away into a belief of things which are not so. Uh, Alan D. Haney uh, said this about Corrie Hoare's phrase, a frenzied mind, quote, repentance is real and it works. It is not a fictional experience or the product of a frenzied mind. It has the power to lift burdens and replace them with hope. It can lead to a mighty change of heart that results in our having no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. Repentance of necessity is not easy. Things of eternal significance rarely are, but the result is worth it. As President Boyd K. Packer testified in his last address to the Seventy of the Church, the thought is this. The atonement leaves no tracks, no traces. What, is fix it, what it fixes is fixed. The atonement leaves no traces, no tracks. It just heals, and what it heals stays healed. Close quote. This process of repentance is a joy. It is something which we can really feel in our lives on a day-to-day basis as we reach out and pray to our Heavenly Father to have the atonement applied into our lives. And so, you know, it is an experience which one who has not been through that experience will not understand. 
um, which is perhaps why Corrie Hoare is using this phrase of a frenzied mind, because perhaps he has not felt this experience for himself. Um, in verse 17, he talks about how uh, every man fares in this life according to the management of the creature. Every man uh, prospers according to their genius, and whatsoever a man does is no crime. Uh, and this is obviously, you know, again, a number of things that Corrie Hoare seems to have, you know, in place in his in his philosophy, is that there is no wrong, there is no crime, there is no God. Um, you know, man should just live and do for himself what he can. Uh, Neil A. Maxwell explained it in this way, quote, Some who do not acknowledge God, and for that matter some who do, proceed through life insensitively. Like Corrie they apparently believe that in this life we fare only according to the individual management of the creature, and that everyone conquers according to his genius or strength. To the strong this seems ideal, but what of the conquered and subdued? Injustice multiplies like insects in the sunshine, close quote. This philosophy is actually quite um, elitist, basically. It is very elitist. Um, it suggests that only those that are strong should enjoy this life, and those who are not as strong as others, well, they'll just get crushed and passed on the wayside. Um, and I think that, you know, that is, again, the complete opposite of the saviour. He wishes all to come to him. He all can be lifted up, all the heavy hearted, which is all of us. Um, and to me, you know, I, I just can't, I I can't see why people would find that, other than the strong, of course, why anyone other than the strong would find this, what Corrihor is teaching, to be an uplifting and inspiring message. Um, but of course, I suppose that wasn't his intention, to be uplifting and inspiring. Um, we continue on. And uh, he talks and we see some of the impact. He starts to lead many away uh, in Zarahemla. And it's interesting, this phrase, leading away many women and also men to commit whoredoms. Um, so I don't know why. Well, it's interesting that women are specifically mentioned in this case. Um, you know, it seems to have an impact on everyone, um, no matter their gender, no matter what their role is. It has an impact on many people, this teaching. Um, but also what I find interesting is what happened, the phrase after this. It says, leading away many women and also men to commit whoredoms, telling them that when a man is dead, that was the end thereof. So that to me seems to suggest that what Mormon is trying to explain to us that if people do not have a belief that there is a life after this, then they will naturally go and, you know, commit these things. They will go about and try and just live their lives to the best of their ability. And, you know, no matter what the impact is on everyone else, they will just live, you know, according to the dictates of their carnal senses. Uh, because, of course, why would they not if uh, there was no life after this? So this um, teaching that Corriohor had, teaching them that there was no life after this, was quite a, um, it had quite an impact. It was dangerous uh, for, for many people at this time. He then goes to Jershon, uh, who, of course, are the people of Ammon, um, you know, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. And we know what they think uh, about their faith, and their testimonies. They are rock solid. They are firm. And so when they hear there's Corrihor teaching, they, uh, well, they kick him out, basically. I just, I love the reaction of the Antinephi-Lehi's. They just completely cast him out. And um, I think that we can learn something from the uh, res responses of the three different cities. In Zarahemla, you know, they listen to him. They, they consume his philosophies. They allow him the time and space to teach these things. And a lot of people are led astray. In Antinephi-Lehi, they just cast him out straight away. Uh, and, in, and then when we, when he goes to Gideon, um, 
you know, this is where we see some discussion and debate happening. Um, and I think that the 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 response of the different cities we can learn from, if we are ever encountered with these feelings or these uh, teachings or these beliefs, you know, it's better if we just cast them out. Once we have listened, I suppose, and once we have considered how they apply to our beliefs and experiences that we've had already, then we need to act. Um, so he goes to Gideon and he speaks with the high priest there called Gidona, uh, and Karihor begins to explain why he doesn't believe these things. Um, in verse 24, he says, Ye say that this people is a free people. Um, behold, I say they are in bondage. Ye say that those ancient prophecies are true. Behold, I say I say ye do not know that they are true. Um, and this um, is one particularly interesting part of what Corey Hoy is trying to teach that I find interesting. Um, he's teaching about liberty and freedom and captivity. And he's explaining that he thinks that these commandments and these things that are keeping people to a law is bondage. It is keeping them, you know, restricted from what they want to do. And how many times, you know, do we hear this argument against the the church and its teachings that there's too many rules or too many commandments or, or you can't do this and you can't do that? Um, and I just think that, you know, when we look at the teachings of Koryohor and think about which of those are, you know, railed against the, the, the teachings, teachings of Christ today, I think this is one of the biggest ones. Um, Joseph Fielding, Fielding McConkie said this about the, the image of restriction and liberty with commandments. He said, quote, Koryohor claims the protection of law in a free nation to teach the doctrines of disbelief, disrespect and disobedience. He attempts to convince people that they are in bondage. For if he can successfully do so, they will naturally turn to him as a liberator or redeemer. His, then, is a liberation movement. He is going to free them from the burden of commandments and gospel commitments, whereas the gospel declares that the knowledge of revealed truths brings freedom. Corrie contends that freedom really means being without the constraints of righteousness. Close quote. And this is where we begin to see the real danger behind Corrie approach. He is, in effect, trying to put upon himself this Christ-like redeemer status. He is trying to go forth and say, these things that you are doing, they are foolish, they are wrong, and they are restricting you. Be free, follow what I'm saying, and you can be free of all these things. And, you know, it. well, we don't have to think too hard to think how this relates to events that we've been through, such as the pre-mortal council in heaven. It's a very much uh, Satan approach. That we don't need these things. Just you know, follow me, and I'll and I'll have you all you know saved. I'll give you all a good time. Um, but in reality, if we did follow Satan's way, first of all, he wouldn't be able to save us, and secondly, perhaps the, the strong would have prospered and done well, and the weak would have been cast aside and ignored and forgotten. Uh, and so, we're going to have to stop there because time is well over. But I think there is some very fascinating insights we're getting into now that Corihor is beginning to explain further his thoughts behind this that really there is a real danger here uh, for those in individuals that listen to these things that he teaches. Uh, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do share the podcast, subscribe to it, review it, do anything you can to let it to get the new, to, to get the word out and we can get more discussion going. There's the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me that you can join and you can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you have any feedback or if you'd like to uh, join in a future podcast episode. Thank you for listening and until we meet again.